thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Morning. It's great to see everybody today. Um, If you love Jesus, say, I do. If you're glad to be here, say, I am. Hey, I want to just kind of, we'll give you a little bit more about uh, that series, Disciple, that we're starting today. But before we go there, I just want to say thank you to all of you that so generously uh, participated and jumped all in with our The Future is Radiant initiative that's beginning. Uh, And I'm just uh, pleased and excited and have more faith right now than I ever have uh, in terms of our church, because I just believe God's doing an incredible thing. And I'll be giving more information in terms of where that's landing and where we're at in the future, um, because many of you are still uh, in that pledge process. But thank you to all of you that jumped all in last week. Uh, The future is radiant, and so uh, it's going to be great. We're excited about all that God is doing. Uh, We're going to enter into this series here uh, that we're calling Simply Disciple, and here's the why. Uh, I was reading an article recently that talked about how 65% of Americans identify as Christian. And I just found that interesting as I was reading it because I was thinking about just the concept of identify. And really it was talking about other world religions. It was talking about people that um, identify as no religion at all. And so the, the none category. And, and I don't know if I were to kind of put myself in first century uh, Israel when Jesus called the disciples And where we're at today, we identify or we check a box. And I was just thinking about box checking versus following Jesus. And when I hear 65% identify, I just wonder if if that might be a part of the problem. Like, I I just wonder what Jesus thinks of it. Like, I was thinking about what would it look like if 65% of Americans were, like, trying to fulfill the Great Commission, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I just picture my normal life out in public, and I wonder what if 65% of us in line at the airport when we suddenly got delayed were trying to not have any thought or any word that didn't look like Christ. Like, it just might feel different than what I think I experienced. So I was just thinking maybe it'd be good to drill down for a little bit and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, for us as we, as we take spiritual steps. And even at Radiant Church, we use that language like Instagram handle right there. And then that little bio says, making radiant disciples. Like our dream is that you would be radiant disciples. So it's a word that we use. So it's a word that I want to dig into and work on a little bit more. So if you have your Bibles, let's go Mark chapter one. I'm going to look at three different texts in the gospel of Mark today and just kind of walk through a little bit about being a disciple of Jesus. Mark chapter one, verse 16 says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They follow Jesus. The title of my message today is Get as close 
as you can. Father, we love you today. Lord, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us be followers of Jesus in 21st century Kansas City, and we would read about disciples in first century Galilee and flip our lives to where we don't live for self, but we live for Christ. Do a miracle in our hearts. Help us. We love you. And all of Radiant Church said amen. Uh, one of my favorite things when I was in junior high was to tell stories to my dad to where he would start laughing that he couldn't breathe. <laughs> like, I figured out, uh, most of the time when I tell you stories about my dad, I tell you these great stories about him as a father. One of the things that I loved about my dad is he's a very serious person. Like, he's a very, he's left-brained, he's intentional, he's a list maker, he was a math teacher, he's a, a, that chart maker kind of personality. But you could get my dad laughing to where he could hardly breathe. He was laughing so hard. And one of the stories that, uh, that he would tell that is one of the stories that just triggered laughter every time he tells it. And I have these great memories of him telling this story. When we were in junior high, the triplets, uh, we were in junior high and my brother Dan was probably uh, elementary age. And we were on a vacation in rural Idaho on a two-lane highway. My dad drove about 96% of the time. Sometimes my mom drove. And we had a moment where everybody is sleeping. Mom's doing the driving. So dad's asleep, shotgun. The rest of us are sleeping. Only to wake up on this little, little highway with my mom going insanely slow, yelling, Hal, Hal. And there's a noise. There's a noise. And my, that's my dad's name, Hal, Hal. Uh, it's not like... She's swearing. I know suddenly you're not like nervous. What kind of church are we in? Uh, how? How? And then she's yelling at dad and dad wakes up and he's trying to look at the scenario. And my mom says, there's a noise. The van, our minivan, is making a noise. I don't know what it is. And it's this swoosh, 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 swoosh. And he looks up and mom is following right behind a truck. And she says, how I have been following this truck, it will not go any faster. It's going so slow. And my dad looks, and he's trying to just kind of figure out what's going on. And he looks up, and he sees, he sees that this is a paint truck laying the stripe in the middle of the highway. And it's the paint truck that's just trying to do its job by laying paint. And he looks up, and my mom, who has been trying to pass the paint truck, keeps swerving over to see if she can pass and then going back, swerving over to see if she can pass and going back, swerving over. And my dad looks back only to see paint lines in the little Idaho highway, just all the way around, only to look and the swoosh, 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 swoosh is paint on the undercarriage of the van, just we're just weaving through. I got permission to tell you this story from my mom. Just so you know, don't be offended. She's all right. She knows she loves the story too. Only to have my dad look at my mom and say, Debbie, that's a paint truck. And my dad suddenly possessed sympathy for this poor paint truck driver man who's just trying to do his job and lay the paint and just to have this lady behind him all the way down this highway only to have us pull over to say, kids, get out of the van and help us pull the paint with your fingers off of the van because we got to return this to the rental company. You know, like... <laughs> and so my dad, when he tells this story, literally just cries. He's laughing so hard. And my mom's just like, I didn't know it was a paint truck. And I couldn't figure it out. And, uh, I... Uh, 
segue. Um, <laughs> I read this text, and uh, you're going to be impressed where I'm going with this, just so you know. One of the famous phrases in first century Israel, when it came to a disciple maker, when it came to somebody calling, a rabbi calling young men to come follow him, there was a phrase that they used that personified it just in the phrase, it demonstrated the kind of thinking that went into following your rabbi. And it was this, may you live in the dust of your rabbi. And here's what it means. A rabbi walking around first century Israel or Galilee in this text, he's walking, walking and there's these disciples, these young men that are, are becoming apprentices. That would be probably the best word for us. We don't necessarily use the word disciple very much in our culture. So many scholars would say that if you want to use kind of 21st century Kansas City language, that the best word would be apprentice. It's it, it, it would be people that are trying to become just like their leader or their rabbi. May you walk in the dust of your rabbi would mean, may you be so close to him that literally as you follow him, the dust from his walking gets on you. May, you. may you live so close. May you be so formed by. May his influence on you be so detailed that literally you walk in his dust and his dust gets on you. Or in my context, for the sake of that, may the paint of the painter get on your van. I mean, may you be so close. May you be so close that you get it on you. So when we look at these disciples and Jesus invites them to come follow him, in that context, a young man that was studying to be a rabbi would go first phase of schooling ages six to 10. And during that time, they would get to where they could quote the Torah. And they would get to where they could, they could quote the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then if, if at the age of 10, they weren't, they weren't excelling, they would just go back and they would take on the trade of their father. So they might be a fisherman or a carpenter, but if they were still trying to be a rabbi, they might be able to make it to the second kind of secondary education, which from 10 to 14 but they then memorized the whole Torah, not just the Pentateuch, not just the first five books, but the whole thing. And then a rabbi might call them and say, hey, I see such potential in you that I'm going to invite you to follow me. I'm going to invite you to be a disciple of mine. But if they were not invited, then they might go back to their father's trade and do whatever the family business is. So when you look at the disciples that Jesus calls, this is a moment where Jesus comes and he offers this invitation to quite possibly fishermen that were overlooked, that weren't invited, which is often the story of what Jesus does when Jesus comes along and he invites the overlooked, the outsider, the marginalized. Jesus looks at these fishermen and he says, follow me. So the quick response of leaving everything to follow him, even from their father Zebedee, would be because this was such a high honor. This was such a high privilege. Of course, if you watch the Chosen movie, you see a happy Zebedee, uh, his wife, so excited in that moment. Just go, go and walk with this rabbi, Jesus. And then the whole concept is that they would walk so close. They wanted to be formed by. They wanted to become like 
that rabbi so that then they would take on what he believed. He would teach them. He would train them. And then he would eventually form them into what he's like so that then when he dies, they take on what he believed, what he taught them. And I think it's critical because I think when you and I look at our lives today, we live in a culture that says, hey, if you have any form of Christianity, check the box, identify here. And with an abundance of Christian information and churches and preaching vegetables and all the things that we have, it's easy for us to just, uh, just check a box. And I think it's easy for us to be just box checkers. This is kind of how I identify. So if, I'm, if they're writing an article about where I fit in the spectrum of religion in the United States in 2021, here's my column. Here's my category. Here's where I fit. But Jesus didn't invite us to be box checkers. He invited us to be disciples. And I think there could be a big chasm there when we really look at first century, denying yourself, leaving everything to try to be fully formed into looking like Jesus. And I think even when Jesus calls and when Jesus invites, he's looking for something more than the, I love a, a, I love a free market like we have. I love freedom of religion like we have. I love, the, I love where we live. I love, I love this time in history. I'm grateful for it. I see God at work. Yet, we do well to be more formed by what we read in the Gospels than what we read online. We do well to start to figure out, okay, what was Jesus really looking for? And am I walking like a disciple? And where are some of the gaps where I might not currently look like a disciple of Jesus? And let me just be really honest about that and look at that. Because these disciples, their dream and their goal would to become like Christ, to become like Jesus, to form their life. And so when we see moments where they're trying to look at him and then do whatever he does, you, you look at like Peter and Peter has, Peter's trying to become like Jesus. And we love Peter because Peter is, um, we identify with Peter. We look at Peter and, and Peter starts off and he's, you can see the carnality. You can see uh, some of the the pragmatic forms of thinking that are, that are so normal to us. And yet Peter goes on this journey and Peter would have wanted, he was trying, he was working on trying to be formed to become more like Jesus. So in moments where he's jumping up and he's saying, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bless are you, Simon, for this is not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And he's Jesus has changed his name. Jesus is interacting with Peter. We love that because we see Peter and Peter's working on it. He's, he's given his best. And we love it too because we see Peter because he's got moments where he misses it. He's got moments where he's, he's thinking he's helping by saying, hey, Jesus, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Ooh, that's a dark day for Peter. Ooh, that's a rough, rough to be called Satan by Jesus. And then, there's the, and then there's a moment where he's trying, he's thinking, let's go, let's have a military attack. Jesus, this is your moment. And he cuts off Malchus's ear and Jesus goes, no, 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 Peter, that's not the way my kingdom operates. And Jesus heals. Do you, you, we all love that moment where, 
where Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter, who's wanting to walk in the dust of the rabbi. I mean, where he's literally so close to him that he becomes like him. If you're walking on water, call me. I'll, I'll, I'll come walk on the water. I'm wanting to be like Christ. And then we look at, I look at, I love the conversation in John 21. And, and I love the moment where, where in Acts 2, he stands up and he preaches Acts chapter 2. I love even reading about Peter being willing to suffer as we go further into Acts. But here's what I want you to see. From that moment of, that we just read, where Peter leaves to follow, to the moment where he is declaring, I mean, whether he's quoting, he's quoting the Psalms or he's quoting the prophet Joel or he's, or he's I mean, aggressively a, a proclaimer. We're talking about a three-year window. And I think that I think that for us to look at the spiritual growth, the spiritual formation, the formation into Christ-likeness, it's powerful for us to ask the question, I said yes to Jesus a decade ago. Am I 10 years closer? Has my life been more formed by Christ? When you look at me, do you see a Christ-likeness where, yeah, I've had some hard moments, not that I'm perfect. There's a moment where I literally thought I was helping out and I cut off an ear because I thought we were going somewhere and Jesus corrected me. I, I've had moments where I got the right answer and I was applauded by Jesus. But my, my maturity, my formation, I've become more and more like Jesus. First John 2, 6, anyone who claims to be in Christ must walk as Jesus did. Our dream, our goal is to actually, over time, take steps to where we look more like Jesus. Yet, it's challenging in our culture because our culture doesn't say, look like Jesus. Our culture says, look like you. Our culture says, become your best self, you, yourself, you, what you got, all you. So celebrate yourself. So fight for yourself. Fund yourself. Think about yourself. And I just want to tell you, for me, living in the 21st century world that I live in, I think we live in a time where you might not be most tempted to check a box Hinduism or Islam. Your temptation is to check the box me. I'm going to put myself first. And where I want to go in this series is to talk about getting to the place where I have Jesus so far out in front, so much number one. And I'm saying, how close can I get to Jesus? What would it look like for me to be formed and look like Christ? What would it look like? Not just a blog post that I can make, not just the church that I attend, but in my own journey for me to get so close to Jesus. I was uh, thinking about that idea and, and really one word that sticks out to me would be just the idea of maturity. Because Paul, when he goes to talk about this idea, he uses metaphors where he talks about maturity, where he says, hey, there was, I would like to give you meat, but I got to give you milk because you've got worldly passions. You're not maturing like you should. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Now that I become a man, I put my childish ways behind me. We say that again. Now that I become a man, I put my childish ways behind me. Here's the idea that he's talking about. He's talking about a spectrum. He's talking about maturity. 
He's talking about growing into you guys being more like Jesus. I love that 1 Corinthians 13 text because I quoted it to our church when I was 12 years old. And, uh, and when I got to that moment where I was 12, I said, now that I become a man, I put my childish ways behind me. And everybody started laughing because I was 12 and I looked like I was seven, but I was talking about being a man. And uh, it was awesome. But God invites you to go on a journey where instead of trying to become me, my desires, my will, my future, my goals, my house, my plan for health, my plan for self, to go, the greatest dream that I have is to become like Christ. And I want to look more like Jesus. And so all those other things sit at a distance behind the wake of Jesus. I want to be more like you. I want to be like these young fishermen that left everything to follow you. Next text, Mark 3. Great moment where Jesus invites him. It says, when Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, he appointed 12 that they might be with him great phrase, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Intriguing. How, David, how do I grow in becoming more like Jesus? I would invite you to the number one way is to take this Mark 3 idea and just be with him. Here's that, that they might be with, spend time with him. On Thursday, I was driving... Um, my son Dawson, who is 17, and Jacob Ray, who's 19, um, to the airport, because the two of them are at a youth conference where uh, Jacob, who's like our Christian vanilla ice, what's up? Um, and then Dawson, who's uh, a screamer like his dad, um, they're, they're, they're working together in Idaho. And so Jacob's sitting uh, shotgun as we drive up to the airport on Friday. And as Jacob as Jacob talks, I can't help but just notice how much he sounds just like his dad, Ben Ray. I mean, he talks like him. He sounds like him. He makes little jokes like him. He just, it's just like, it's, it's like it's Ben. It's like I'm talking to Ben. Uh, and, and I remember a couple years ago, I was driving with Sam Riddle in Dawson somewhere, and Sam was sitting shotgun. And Sam was talking to me about, I mean, he was blowing my mind with his intelligence. And he was using words I later looked up. Like, I was just like... <laughs> This kid is hyper intelligent. He's using phrases. He's got, I mean, I mean, you got the, and here's what you hear. You hear not just phrases, you hear, you hear Will Riddle doctrine. I mean, you hear, you hear Will all through. My son Dawson, uh, on Friday, he sent me an MP3 and iMessages, and I listened to it, and I hear him praying, like screaming at the top of his lungs a prayer. And I just have that moment of, I'm just so proud of him. And I thought, man, he is, he is screaming like crazy, calling down the fire of God in Nampa, Idaho. Way to go. Until I got about nine seconds in, 10 seconds. Oh, wait a minute. Then Dawson sends me a smiley face. He found a video on YouTube of me praying in the year 2000. It's a 21-year-old video. Took out the music so it, you just hear my voice. And he sent it, but he said, you used to have some fire, Pops. I mean, you know, like, mm, you gone backslidden now, Dad. I mean, you know, like, what's your deal? Where's the, where's the passion now? He didn't say all that. Uh, 
But here's what I realized. That kid sounds like, mm, right? Why? Time with. Some genetics. A lot of time with. A lot of time with. We always become like the people that we're with. Those young men became like their fathers. As you spend time with your father, you'll become like him. As you spend time, and we see Peter and James and John and Andrew, they would have watched Jesus get alone with his father. They would have watched Jesus treat lepers different than everybody else. They would have watched Jesus heal. They would have watched him do miracles, turn the water into wine. They would have seen him turn, I mean, some little bread and fish, multiply it for the hungry. They would, have, they would have watched Jesus rebuke those religious leaders. They would have listened to him preach so anointed in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. They would have gone. As they were with him, they learned his values. They learned how he interacted with his father, how he interacted with the hurting and the sick, how he taught, how, how, what he thought about the scriptures, who he was, as he, what, what, what the, as he talked about what the future would look like. And they started to recognize what it was like to be with him. And I want to invite you. It's easy to look at. Um, okay, David. Those disciples got to be with him, next to him. But that's different. I don't get to walk in person right now with Jesus near me. Okay, but Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Why? Because the spirit will come to indwell you. So that. In Jesus, when he speaks to his disciples and he's talking that way, it's saying it's, it's, it's it, the actual, I mean, the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. And so even greater opportunity for you in a three-year period to become more and more like Christ. What? The God of the universe. What? Holy Spirit comes and dwells in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, God at work, take up residency. In, I mean, God at work in me. So quite possibly, me being formed to look more like Christ has this supernatural capacity so that I might look more like Christ. So instead of us saying, I'm going to judge where I'm at based upon other people, based upon how other people are in the line at the football stadium when everybody is mad or what everybody's like in line at the airport when we got delayed and it feels like it's a fake mechanical issue and you aren't going to get me there on time (laughs) and whatever is the issue. And you suddenly see people that don't look like Christ and we tend to go, yeah, but I want to invite you not to have a measuring stick based upon a Newsweek article. I'm a I'm a, I'm a box-checking Christian. Here's your vision. Do I look like Jesus? Yes. And look at that and go, okay, how, how close can I get to the rabbi? How close? How much of his dust can I get on me? It's like in Matthew 5 when Jesus tells us, I was talking to one of my children because one of my children recently asked me, Dad, this verse I'm struggling with because it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and they said, that doesn't seem possible. And I said, okay, well, here's, here's what that idea is. Jesus is saying, that Greek word there is, it's about maturity. Being mature. It's about taking, you want to reach this place where you're growing in spiritual maturity. We always find Paul talking this way. Guys, stop tolerating where you're only with milk. Let's go for some meat. I want you to, and what does it look like? 
more Christ-likeness, less of me. So in a culture that says, it's all me, baby, what's up? Post me, celebrate me, become more like myself, you know, so that the whole world can see me, so that I can get what I want. I'm telling you, it's difficult in that culture because I live in it. I listen to the internet ads. I watch everything around me telling me to fight for David. It's just, it's you. And to actually flip it and read Jesus and Paul and go, no, 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 no. I'm actually at my best when what I am pursuing is not self, but Christ and formed not into what I want myself to become, but what Christ wants me to become, how he wants me to be more like him. It's, 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 it's a different thing. And, and, and as, as we do that, it, it actually changes us. It actually changes to where we're making choices on what we, what we want to do, who we want to be with, because it's countercultural. It's totally different. I look at the world of um, who some of our heroes are, right? Like in our heroes, we tend to take a sports hero, a finance hero. Uh, they don't have to be good at anything if they're just famous on social media, just uh, an influencer. And that for some reason, and we'll, we'll pick one, we'll follow, and we'll, we'll check the box. Okay, got my, what I got to do for God, what I got to do for, so I can work out and get my body right and Got to get, let's see, get some finance right. Let's get some sports in there. Let's, and I'll get some, some of my heroes. And who do I find compelling? I find this person, they're kind of compelling. And this, in this area, I like this influencer. In this area, I like this news anchor or this author. That's compelling. That's a good argument. The Christian journey is the most compelling person in history, the most compelling person that consumes my life is Jesus of Nazareth. And I have decided to follow Jesus. And so who he is, what he teaches, who he says he is, I'm walking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in his dust. I'm gonna be so close to him. I wanna get as close as I possibly can. I'm gonna spend much time with him. And in the same way that the disciples might walk and see Jesus' ministry on earth, I'm gonna do everything I can to take spiritual steps to, in my lifetime, get as close as I can. How can I get close? I can spend time with him. Jesus got alone with his father, I wanna do that. How did Jesus interact with people? Man, I wanna, I wanna interact with people. Jesus was teaching and encouraging and he was making disciples. I, I think if you go that route, you'll find a new group of people compelling. Yeah. And so you'll transition. Come on, David, don't be so mean. Don't be so strict. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not asking you to buy into David doctrine. I'm asking you to just look at Jesus. Yeah. Ask yourself, is this real? Because I know in my journey, um, the, the more spiritually mature as I take steps, towards Christ. What I find is I find people that culture says are compelling, not that compelling because it's self-glorification. It's, it's, they're, they're, it's a, even what makes them compelling when you get down to it doesn't have a whole lot of value. But when you get around people that, I mean, Peter became, I mean, proclaiming strong in acts in three years, there's people out there that they've been following Jesus for 30 years 
and you go, wow, you're compelling. Why? Because Jesus of Nazareth has been who they've been bending their lives around. They've been walking in his dust for a few decades. And suddenly you see them. And instead of saying, I'll tell you who's compelling, it's this rich person. I'll tell you who's compelling. It's this athlete. I'll tell you who's compelling. This person's got a real grip on politics. I'll tell you what's compelling. This person that, man, they look good when they take their shirt off in the gym, baby. Ooh, wish I looked like them, right? All those things, not as compelling as. Look at this. Like, I'll tell you who I find compelling right now. I find Dick Eastman compelling. Because when I'm with him, he sings these little songs about the Lord. When I'm with him, he has a value system where he talks about reaching every single nation on earth with the good news of the gospel. When I'm around him, he's got this, this, he's 77 years old and he just, he's been spent an hour alone with Jesus every day for over 40 years. And he's been so much with Jesus. It's compelling. You hear me talk about my dad all the time because he's compelling. I just, I'm intrigued because he's walked in the dust of the rabbi for so long that he responds in a way, I still have so much in me. I've got so far to go because I, I tend to just cruise on down, hang out, stay with the milk, shallow end. And he's, he spent so much time going out towards meat, going out towards the deep end. The challenge is, is that we don't call it the shallow end. We don't call it worldly. We call it relevant. We, 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 we say we just got to be real. We want to identify with what's really going on. Okay? But when you start to flip it and think towards eternity, maybe some of these guys who are walking with Jesus, some of these men and women that know God, that have walked with them for years, maybe they're starting to look at a broader picture and they go, no, no, let me, let me help you on what's really going on. Let me help you with what's real truth. So the Christ follower, as they take steps towards Jesus, he's ultimately who they're looking at. He's who they find compelling. But the relationships that they form start to adjust because this person might be the starting quarterback. That person might be, you know, a great in another. But they're just not as compelling as who Jesus is. And I see some of the most compelling people in your life should be people that have followed Jesus for so long. You see Christ in them. In fact, at Radiant Church, some of the people that should be the most sought out are people that are older, that have walked with God for years and years. Did you go, I just, that's, that's, because when you get around people that are old, older, like in that age group, I see that they, 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 those that have become in the dust, they, they, they get softer and softer. And, they, and there's a Christ-likeness. But those that have fought for self, they get harder and harder to be with, right? Because it's just the glorification of self all the way to the end. And you will be a disciple of someone. You'll either be a disciple of Jesus, or ultimately, when you get down to it, you'll be a disciple of something else. The win, the goal is, I want to walk in the dust of the rabbi. I want to get as close to Jesus as I possibly can. So, Last text, Mark chapter eight. Look at this one. It says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Intriguing. Deny self. Make that a part of your life and watch the culture tell you you're crazy. Self-denial, not popular in 21st century United States. And take up their cross and follow me. 
Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now he's talking about eternal rewards. You want to really look crazy to the culture? Start talking about that your motivation is eternity. What good, is it, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Oh, the sadness to gain the whole world, to gain whatever the world has to offer and lose out on eternity. If you get eternity following Jesus as a vision, you can endure just about any difficulty that you're currently walking through. If you will get Okay, with Jesus forever as your vision. When I was um, uh, about to get married to Renata, it was April and May of 2000. We were going to get married May 27th of 2000. And in that window of time, our whole world was about to change. I was going to graduate from college on May 12th, uh, which was going to mean no more chemistry tests. My undergrad is done. Glory de Dios. Like, thank God. Uh, we were going to uh, get married on May 27th, and we'd been looking forward, engaged to be married. So excited about that. And I had a, uh, a job waiting for me in Colorado in June of 2000. And so I'd been given this, uh, my senior year, I'd been given this invitation to come on staff at a church there. And so we had uh, graduation from college, getting married, uh, moving to Colorado, new job waiting. And there was a window of time where you could not get Renata and I to be sad about anything. Like we were just like for a couple months right there, like, oh, life is fixing to be, that was what you say in Oklahoma, fixing to be good, right? It's like we, we can endure the red dirt of Oklahoma. We can endure, we can endure these finals. We can do, actually Renata got in a wreck during that time. And we were like, We'll just be one car. Who cares? We don't. We getting out of here, girl. Like, just forget about it. Like, we could go through any hardship, right? Why? Because we were looking forward to done with school, getting married, starting life over in Colorado, great new church. What's up, baby? If you'll look at the breath of this life, 70, 80 years is what Psalm 90 says, and look at where you're going in eternity with Jesus then no matter what you're called to deny self in this season, you go, I'm looking forward to eternity. And you can go, I can, I can, wow. I might be foregoing this now, but it's, for the, it's, what, it's what becoming like my Savior, Jesus, has called me to. It's what it looks like to be like Christ. It's when I study Christ, when I look at him, when I spend time with him, I start to recognize where I'm going. And I want to become more like him. And I want to invite you to take a spiritual step. My goal is that you take spiritual steps all the time. Specifically in this series, in this next month, my goal is that you would think through and actually take a big, like a spiritual step. How do I get closer to Jesus? What does it look like for me to just get a little bit more dust kicked up on me? Because I think we like to live at a distance. I think we say, you know what, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, go about to here, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to marinate here for seven years. I'm just gonna, this is where I'm going to live. Found my category, found where I'm at, because I just don't know if I, if I, if I can get, if I want to, honestly, this is self-denial, if I want to get much closer. I think I'll, I'll hang out. I'm not on the steps in the shallow end, but I'm not in the deep end by the diving board. I'm going to stay right here. I'm just going to hang out right here. 
And what would it look like for you to take some steps for you go, I'm, I'm going to go further. And so we call these, you know, these, these are things that help you in spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines. And many people, when you talk about spiritual disciplines, they recoil and they go, ah, oh, that sounds like legalism to me. Ultimately, when you're in love with being close to Jesus, you want to be with him. Those methods, those dynamics are not painful. They're pleasure. They're like, because you've got your motive of the person. When I was uh, first started dating Renata, um, uh, I went away for a summer um, and she uh, stayed in Oklahoma and then we switched. She went away and did an internship. I stayed. Neither of us had cell phones. And so I invested. I spent more money on an MCI calling card per month than I made from the church. That's a true story. So I, I would spend, which that's, that's not good for like a Dave Ramsey course, but it's kind of cool for falling in love with Renata. <laughs> and, uh, and I loved that MCI card. You know why? Yeah, because it was the method by which I was able to have conversation with Renata, right? We got married, moved to Colorado, and no longer was an MCI calling card. The way to get good conversation with Renata was a chocolate dessert at a restaurant nearby. So I became an expert. Outback's got chocolate thunder from down under. Chili's got the molten chocolate cake. Carabas, they got the chocolate lasagna mousse cake thing. And one of the best ways to just invest in that relationship, get closer and closer to Renata, was to invest in chocolate. That's what got close, right? Today, I know a lot of restaurants around Kansas City, right? We got a date night, and what we like to do, we have never eaten as well in our whole lives as we do here in this city, because there's so many great restaurants, and I can talk restaurants. I can talk Kansas City restaurants pretty well, you know, but it's not so much that I'm in love with the MCI calling cards or chocolate cake-ish and <laughs> restaurants. It's, it's the, this, this desire and this decision to be close to Renata. So when we say, hey, we want to invite you to spend time alone with God each day. Hey, we want to invite you. Get some people that are they're apprentices of Jesus, like you're an apprentice of Jesus. Get some people that are going to help you. Ultimately, where I want to take this series is not just people that are going to help you, but where you've got this vision where you're going to actually make disciples. That's for another week. But, but when we say, get around some people that are going to help you, when we say, actually use the spiritual gifts that God has given you, lay down your life on a Saturday at an outreach project, lay down your life to disciple others, lay down your life to serve and help other people. We look at those and we go, oh, legalism, pain, got to do stuff for God. No, 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 no. Here's what it is. Jesus, you are my magnificent obsession. You are the person that I have left everything to follow. You came walking by and you chose me when I was overlooked, when I was broken, when I was on the side of the road. And the privilege of my life is to follow you. Where I'm going in eternity is to be with you forever. So you got a dream. Your dream is to follow, to become like, ultimately, ultimately to make disciples like Jesus. And I want to invite you in this next series, we're going to take these next few weeks and just begin to ask the question, what's my next step? We say here at Radiant, we want to help us. We want to, we want to go on the journey to become radiant disciples. For me, this is just foundational. How do we go after being like, really, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to be close to you. 
I want to be fully formed by Christ. So God, you can have it all. We use the phrase find freedom. It means I, want to, I don't want anything else to be what controls me. I want to find freedom from all that so that I can, I can look like Christ. Ultimately, I can lay my life down. I got this one life to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're like, frankly, David, I am me-centric. I am living life on mission for, for me. It's all I've ever known. Maybe you're here today and you go, David, there was a day that I was a follower, but I have slipped into living for self. I still got the banner. I still check the box. I'm a box checker, but I'm not a disciple. Meaning, when I look at my life, I don't know that I see transformation into the image of Christ. That's what it says in Revelation. We're transformed. I want to be transformed. I don't want to conform the world anymore. I want to be transformed. I want to look like Christ. Maybe today you say, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. We're going to give you that chance. I want to invite you just wherever you're at, just to pray this prayer and begin. This is not all that you say to God, but this is the beginning. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever, it's my favorite word, I love that right there, whosoever, because that means you. You give your yes that whosoever believe in him would not perish, but might have everlasting or eternal life. That life comes from Christ. It's not what you do. It's what Christ did for you. He's given you the opportunity to say yes. It's his desire that none would perish, but that all would come into relationship. All would come into repentance. I give you my life. Today, if you want to begin that journey with Jesus, I want to invite you right here, right now, today, start that relationship. Just say, just this is a moment of stepping over the line of faith. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. I will follow you. Take my life. I give you everything today. In Jesus' name.